Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, nine volumes available at Amazon in ebook and paperback format, and Kindle, by the way. And if you're an audiophile, and I know many of you are, Eight volumes at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So please go out there, show some support, and purchase a copy of two for your own pleasure. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you today? I'm doing great, Bill. How about you? Doing okay. Uh, At the time of this recording, you know, we got the uh, tail end of Ian coming around us, but really all we had was swirling clouds, wind, and like a spritz of rain, thank God. Those poor people in Florida got clobbered. Oh, my goodness. Like, yeah. I mean, South Carolina got it a little bit, too. I mean, uh, my heart goes out to them, but definitely Florida. Jeez. Yeah. I was looking Shows you what 155 miles an hour a wind can do. Yeah, I was looking at uh, a little bit of uh, YouTube video, amongst other things. There were boats piled up like uh, cords of firewood. Oh, no doubt. And uh, what's amazing now, right, when, you, when they do the damage assessment on these storms, I was probably looking at the same stuff on YouTube, but they're doing it with drones, you know, so you really get a feel for what it looks like like i couldn't believe in some of that footage i think from fort myers Mm -hmm. you could see these giant boats still tied to like the floating dock but the floating dock and all the boats was picked up and was like a hundred yards away from where it belonged yeah just incredible on the land yep so everything i think lifted up over the wooden pilings Mm -hmm. or steel pilings because the water came in so high yep so everything stayed tied up but the whole mass of the dock and all the boats floated away over the land and over the buildings and then fell down on them yeah and you know kept from like i remember down in mount sinai right they had those big galvanized rings around the uh the pilings and i mean they were so low on the piling there was no way they were going to get over the top right but you know if you floated up on 12 feet of water <laughs> now yeah now well, you like are 18 <laughs> 18 feet or whatever it was down yeah. there yeah yeah forget it absolutely incredible you're man. not going to make pilings that long so yeah our, our uh, thoughts and prayers go out to all the folks i'm sure you're 
probably not listening because you don't have electricity or you have bigger uh, problems, bigger challenges. Mm -hmm. But uh, we are thinking of all of you. Absolutely. Vicious storm, that Ian. Yeah, vicious. There's a vicious Irishman, that Ian. They should have called him the Rougarou. <laughs> oh, we got to start naming storms after cryptids, don't you think? Yeah, I mean uh, they don't, uh, you know, like call the storm freaking Satan or something. <laughs> you know, they call it Bill or Kevin or you know Alice. <laughs> Come on, really? Uh, I have to tell you before I forget. Around the corner from my house uh, is a dog man. You guessed it. You guessed it. You know how they have these giant inflatable Halloween oh, decorations no. now? Yes. The guy has like, it's either a dog man or a Rougarou, but it was like 15 feet tall staked to his oh, front man. lawn. I want pictures, Bill. I want pictures. All right. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to snap a shot of that and uh, maybe we'll mention that we posted it, you know. And if you Yeah, could, if you could get the barcode for it too, maybe I could put it up. Next to my neighbor's house that I don't like. <laughs> Looking in his window. Peering in the window. <laughs> oh, man, that would be too cool. <laughs> oh, oh, now that's funny. Yeah, mention the guy wakes up in the morning, he opens the blinds, and that thing's peering in at him. Ah. <laughs> yeah, if I forget, remind me. Uh, because it's, yes. it's literally right around the corner, right? I, I, in fact, I rode by the property uh, coming back from the pizzeria before. Just put a little post-it up. Photo of giant evil dog man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Halloween stuff is out of control. You yeah, we're not seeing much of that yet. So uh, uh-huh. I, I guess we're about a week away probably. From the decorations. Well, you know how it is, Kev. There are people that get to jump on Halloween, like people who start de- decorating for Christmas the second week in November or something, you know. You didn't put up your Christmas lights yet? Uh, no. No. Okay. Actually, I did not. Can you believe that? <laughs> I, I did change the little flag uh, on the front of my house to a Halloween flag, though. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, in memory of Paula, she used to like to... She had flags for the different seasons and stuff. And I was looking at this one uh, that I had set up, like, probably in the spring. And I said, geez, I know Paula has other flags down here. And I went down. Sure enough, she had a Halloween one. She's got one for uh, Thanksgiving, uh, a winter one. You know, so I'm going to I'm going to stay true to her. uh I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of cool, you know. And uh, so, let's move on. What do we have in our cryptids in the news and other oddities segment? We are talking about a new cryptid that I haven't heard of before, but it's pretty creepy. Oh, boy. (laughs) The West Texas Owl Man. Whoa. Who, you say? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> a giant owl cryptid. Oh my god! Yes, you know, and a regular horned owl can be pretty menacing. I, I can't believe what a giant horn, uh, owl cryptid can do. Yeah, this is a little more menacing 
than that, as you will see. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, this story comes from our friends at TexasHillCountry.com, uh-huh. which you remember them. They always have some good, crazy stories in there of uh, the big thicket, etc. Uh-huh. So, and they say this giant owl creature, and this is published on... Uh, just a couple of weeks ago in this year, 2022, mm-hmm. they say this giant owl creature chased the, a pickup truck, clawing at the tailgate and scratching the metal. Wow. The hunters in the pickup bed, so there were there were guys riding in the back, uh-huh. screamed like little girls. No offense, little girls, but that's <laughs> what it says. As, as the vehicle went full speed down the two-lane blacktop. Wow. And this owl bill is giant and it's all white except for its eyes. Guess what color they are? Uh, hazel? No, not hazel. <laughs> Bright red and glowing. <laughs> ah, ah, he's coming. Florid, Jackie. <laughs> So another one, another story in the same account here talks about a group of Texas high school students that went out hunting rabbits one night and uh, they came in contact with this creature as well. This giant white owl with glowing red eyes. And uh, the author here interviewed one of the eyewitnesses. And uh, he says that an honest man and told of this strange encounter with a very strong ring of sincerity. Uh. And this happened, this this account happened in 1981. And this gentleman, Jamie, was a high school freshman in West Texas. Uh And he went out with his five buddies to hunt jackrabbits, like I mentioned. Uh They also piled into a pickup truck. They're driving down uh, a piece of abandoned land where they uh, drill for oil, right? And all of a sudden, um, they, they, uh, cl- they stop, they climb out of the pickup, ready for the hunt, carrying their rifles and lights. And after a walk a while, they look down around 60 yards down the fence line, and they see it. Something huge and white was sitting on the fence. No kidding. They- yeah, they stared at it in the distance, trying to decide what it was. They said it looked a lot like an owl, only five times larger than the biggest owl you've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, and they said, what the heck is that, Jamie said. And the young hunters shone their lights on the white creature. It turned its head, looked at us, and the giant owl's red eyes shone bright above its beak. Wow. It stared at the hunters, then spread its enormous wings 12 feet across, and they saw its red chest as the creature took flight. Huh. So red eyes, red chest, 12-foot wingspan. Wow. I mean, I've seen uh, a great horned owl up close and personal. Yeah. And this big bugger was, you know, like to the top of its pointy little tufts uh, on the head. Was I bet you it was close to uh, 20 inches, maybe 22 inches, maybe a little more than that. Right. Uh, they were big and they're fat. 
but right. five times the biggest owl you've ever seen. Well, twelve foot wingspan. That would uh, enormous. You know, yeah, just maybe a, that's not even five times though, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just enormous. You know, some big monster. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I guess there's been several sightings of this this West Texas owl man, as it's called, and some of the. Uh, Folks that write about it, they compare it to Mothman. Mothman. Yeah, yeah. Of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And it does sound a little bit like Mothman. Um, sitting on the fence, glowing red eyes, huge wings, right? Yeah, it's, it's something uh, out of this world, no doubt, you know. What a bizarre thing. And all of this... Is happening in the region. Is it still happening today? Do we know? They 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 talk about it as being seen over time. Mm-hmm. So, but all I don't in, know how oft, I don't know how often it's seen though. Yeah, all in West Texas though. West this little town of West Texas. Yeah. Oh, it's specific to a town. Yeah. Well, and it, it, there's another town next to it called Sundown. Uh huh. Where uh, they've seen it too. Wow. So it's a very small area. Yeah, it's very much, uh, you know, logistically speaking, it's in a pretty tight. Yeah, tight. And it's a, looks like looks to be a very small town, you know, country town, of course, mm-hmm. with uh, the oil wells and stuff like that, based on the pictures. Boy, it makes you wonder what the heck that thing is. Yeah, something, maybe something somebody conjured up that they shouldn't have. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, and I was talking to my uh, friend Philip the other night, who's Cherokee. Mm. Uh, we were talking about uh, Skinwalker Ranch, and uh, he was he was talking about the uh, Skinwalkers. Uh, uh, talking about how, like, when the land is disturbed, and it's interesting uh, that. You're talking about an area where there are oil wells and things. Hmm. And certainly you're disturbing the land, boring holes all over the place and, you know, plowing stuff down with uh, bulldozers and setting up uh, utility trailers and, you know, having at it. I wonder if uh, something isn't being disturbed over there as well, you know. It could be. So he's... he's um Supporting the theory that they come to at Skinwalker Ranch, where when they dig into the earth, bad things happen. So well, he's saying that's a Native American tradition, or he's talking specifically about Skinwalker. Well, he's he's talking about a lot of different Native American things to me because he has knowledge of it, being a, a Cherokee and having uh, right. relatives who were uh, Native Cherokee, Cherokeean or Cherokee people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they have traditions and stuff and uh, uh, oral traditions handed down. And, uh, you know, you could take them or leave them, but uh, you wonder sometimes what's going on, you know. 100%, Bill. You know, these people, uh, shamans and people uh, putting curses on other people. And you know how I feel about all of that stuff. Uh, but there are people out there doing such things, you know. Yeah, well, and this this particular thing, you know, sounds pretty creepy. A little yeah. bit like the old 
goat man of Texas, too. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's some really way out there stuff going on. And, you know, just as a little side note, while I'm thinking about it, Kev, I just want to share something with you and the viewers, uh, listeners. Uh, my friend Jonathan uh, from uh, uh, Vancouver area, uh, he's working in a place called uh, Kitimat. And uh, he's doing some, like, uh, I, I don't want to give up what he's doing. I, I have no permission of him to do so, but he's in a, uh, you know, kind of like a waterfront area doing some work with ships and heavy cargo and stuff. Let's leave it at that. And their site is regularly getting visited with big grizzly bears. Oh, yeah. And uh, he sent me, uh, by the way, Jonathan and Bonnie, if you're out there, hope you're doing well. Uh, these big grizzly bears to me, and I haven't spoken to him about it yet, but I will. These suckers look like they were sizing them up. Like they were trying to figure out, obviously they knew he was there. He was filming them while he was working, loading a forklift. And you could see them kind of looking around and one kind of looking this way and walking over that way. Like, it looked to me like they were trying to get an advantage on him, you know? You don't think they were just looking for a picnic basket? Yeah. Hey, Yogi, <laughs> got any picnic baskets? <laughs> hey, boo-boo. <laughs> just but, a picnic basket. Yeah, yeah this is there's some creepy stuff going on there. I'll share something else with you, too. And by the way, folks, you know, if you've seen something, say something. Uh, the stories I share to you, with you, and like what I'm, we're about to talk about and what we have been talking about, they all came from listeners like you. People from all over the freaking world who chime in and uh, we get together and they share things that have happened to them. But uh, Robert from Maryland, and again, Robert, if you're listening, uh, God bless you, and uh, good talking to you last night. Robert has a brother who has a big piece of uh, property up in the Adirondacks, and uh, he's had regular Bigfoot activity uh, going on on his property, and it started with a slap on the trailer when he had a trailer on the land. But listen to this. And that's up in uh, upstate New York, Bill? Yeah. Okay. And uh, he put out four Oreo cookies, uh, two black, two chocolate, and two vanilla. And he stacked them alternately, black, white, black, white, like that. He does this thing now where he goes, kook, like for cookie, kook. <laughs> And now the Bigfoot are calling back. Cook. They call back and say, C is for cookie. <laughs> and what happened was uh, they were out there and he can hear these things coming in. And uh, after a while, they heard them go away. And he went back out there with a flashlight. Do you know they took the two chocolate cookies out of the stack and restacked the two vanilla ones on top of each other? <laughs> I thought that was really bizarre. That is crazy. Yeah, and he uh, he sent me a recording of uh, 
some noises that they had uh, recorded on di- digital recording. Uh, one is that of a coyote, and then the other one is much deeper and stronger, kind of mimicking the coyote. Hmm. Uh, and they brought the files, the sound files, to this uh, sound engineer who was able to uh, tweak them. And if you see the results of that tweaking, what they believe was a Bigfoot actually was able to make two sounds at the same time with its vocal cords. Mm. So you see the pattern, you see the coyote, and there's like one bar... And then when it mimics the coyote, obviously when you hear it, a different sound entirely deeper and more resonant, it has two of these bars in it, indicating there were actually two tones coming from whatever was making the noise simultaneously. And I guess they they tried to match this stuff to known creatures like the coyote. It didn't match up? Well... Uh, what he told me was they were told that there are no creatures in the world that can do two noises at oh, the same time. Oh, two noises time. like that. And uh, so it's kind of odd. I'm going to send, I think I sent those files to you. Did you get them last night? Did you look at them? Mm, you may have. I didn't I didn't get a chance to look. Yeah. When you get a chance, look through them. I sent you a couple of things. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Okay, cool. So, uh but I don't know how I got sidetracked on that. It's just information I wanted to share. But that Owl Man thing. Now, has anybody been injured by an Owl Man? No, that, I didn't come across anything like that. <laughs> but multiple sightings all around the same area. And, uh, you know, the author draws the comparison to Mothman, which it does remind me a lot of Mothman. Well, From look- good old Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Look, Kev, either way, Mothman, Giant Owl, if you were in close quarters with something like that, it's going to send a shiver down your spine. No doubt about it. Wow. So, all right. Is that it? I'm going to move on to this Bigfoot account. That is it. Fantastic, man. I love that stuff. And, uh, excuse me. Uh, This account came... From uh, a fellow named Albert Jenkins, a fly fisherman, once again a fly fisherman, who encountered this creature while fishing. Now, listen to this. It was October 1st of 1999 that I had gone for the weekend to fish Willowmock Creek. Willow Waymock. I'm doing my best to pronounce this. W-I-L-L-O-W-E-M-O-C, Willowaymock Creek, located just east of Livingston Manor, New York, right here in our state, Kev, or my state. The Willowaymock is a tributary of the Beaver Kill River, well known for its robust population of trout. It was early on Saturday morning at about 8.30 a.m. when I entered the water and began to survey some choice areas of the creek with my nymph. So he was fly fishing with a nymph. Mm. Standing where I was, both sides of the creek were flanked with tall trees and brush coming up hard against both banks. 
and the area in which I had entered was carved out and worn down by decades of fishermen coming through at that point. I was gradually wading my way up the creek, casting and mending my fly as I did so, standing in about a foot of water, if that. Now, this creek was fairly wide at the point in which I stood, perhaps 40 feet or so within the, with the trees overhanging the banks quite frequently, as far as the eye could see. I was alone, having seen another gentleman enter after I had, but he had waded in the other direction, choosing to avoid any disturbance by myself. By this time, it was about 9 a.m., so a half an hour later, and suddenly a very unusual type of low screech or scream came from within the woods in front of me. It wasn't particularly loud, but it was deep and resonant, very difficult to put into words unless you were there with me. As best as I could describe, describe it in a very macabre sort of way is that of someone being stabbed in the movies, that kind of waning shriek as somebody dies. That's nice. Oh. I know all of this sounds weird, but all I can say is try standing alone in the creek and hearing this with nobody around to console you. It was absolutely frightening. I remember distinctly taking some deep breaths after feeling like some type of panic attack was trying to take hold of me. And I sat down between some bushes on the bank. In my mind, I was thinking it was a mountain lion not knowing if such creatures were even present in these woods. And so I sat there trying to regain my composure. I guess about 15 or 20 minutes had passed, when once again I was on my feet fishing, having heard nothing else in the interim. About an hour later, so we're, lo we're looking at like 10, 15, 10, 20, I was engaged in a fight with a nice fish which was thrashing around in the creek and putting up quite a good tussle when the very same sound erupted in the woods directly in front of me and much, much closer. So loud was it that it shook me to the point of almost falling over. With the fish still in full fighting mode and being scared beyond belief, I was fumbling in my vest, trying to find my nippers to just cut the line and get out of there. It was that or I was going to drop the rod in the creek and just plain run. With the rod in my left hand and my right hand shaking in my vest pockets, I heard a loud crack followed by the bushes parting in front of me on the bank. And there stood an enormous Bigfoot with its mouth wide open, showing me its teeth. And I dropped the rod where I stood and ran through the river, the creek. Here I am running in a foot or two of water with my hip waders on, and I can't tell or hear if anything is following me or not. 
Only seconds into what was a frantic dash, I tripped, falling headlong into the creek on my side with my waders getting dumped in the water on top of it. Now, laying on my side and trying to get to my feet, I looked back and saw the Bigfoot now standing in the creek, looking at me with its chest and arms flexed and turning towards what I believe was my trout still attached to the line in the creek. I tried running with my waders, now having about a gallon or two of water in each one of them, and I stopped, unsnapping them from my belt, yanking them off, and fleeing in my socks through the creek, out where I had come in. When I reached the shore, the area where I had been was far from view. And breathing heavily, heavily, I staggered back to my truck, now soaking wet and cold. I had no other clothing or blankets. And now climbing into my truck, starting it to get the heat going, I sat there slumped over the wheel trying to make some sense of it all, shivering. A few minutes later, the fellow I had seen entering the river earlier, heading in the opposite direction, came walking into the parking area and seeing me waved and walked over by my window. I guess I looked apart because when I rolled the window down, the first thing he said to me is, are you all right? Sitting there soaking wet and cold, I told him what had just happened and he was beside himself. He said that he heard the same noises that I had and wondered what it was himself, which is why he had cut his day short and walked back. Of course, not knowing what I was experiencing just up the creek. He offered his assistance, to which I said I was just going to call it a day and split. Leaving my rod and waders in the creek, I left thinking about what an individual think would think who finds the stuff in days to come. The sounds which this monster made penetrated through my body like a shockwave, feeling almost like it was a weapon designed to stun whatever heard it. And boy, did it work. When the creature had parted the bushes, it was hunched over, and even hunched, it was seven feet tall or so. Its shoulders and head looked like one piece, with the shoulders being about four feet wide, and its elbows, which were away from the body parting the bushes, seemed to span about six to eight feet. It was massive to behold in every sense of the word. It's extremely difficult to express what I felt at the time, being a mix of sheer terror and a sense of overwhelming fear. Truth be told, I thought I was about to die right then and there. I don't know why it came up on me the way it did. I was quietly going about my fly fishing, making no noise whatsoever. I don't even know how it knew I was there in the first place. Maybe it didn't, and when it saw me, just wanted to show its dominance. Whatever the case may be, it worked. There would be no challenge coming from me, and that's for damn sure. 
Its eyes were a deep kind of amber color with large cat-like pupils. Its face was consumed by large furrowed wrinkles or creases. When its mouth had opened, it was wide enough to put a cantaloupe inside and maybe even larger. Absolutely huge. The teeth consisted of what appeared to be two larger fang-like teeth, and the rest were somewhat square and flat, like those belonging to a horse. I didn't go back to this area for five years following what happened, and who knows whatever happened to my gear in the river. Somebody else found a damn nice rod and reel for sure. And that's it, Kevin. Wow, well, that is some detailed descriptions. And once again, not a creature that, or not a description sounding like someone may have mistaken a bear for a Bigfoot, right? Yeah, not a bear, my friend. I mean, seriously, you know, like, I know I joke about that all the time, but so detailed, mouth is big big enough to eat a large cantaloupe, right? Yeah. The, the uh, no neck, like head going right into the giant shoulders, seven feet tall. Hunched over seven feet tall, he's yeah. saying. Jeez. And where was this account? Uh, Willa. I'm going to spell it again. Hard place to say. Yeah, just east of Livingston Manor, New York, in Willa Waymark Creek. Mm. He said it was a tributary of the Beaverkill River, which I know okay. is a, a pretty well known. Uh, fly fishing location up, yeah, running yeah. up that way. Yeah, 100%. I've seen that. Yeah, the beaver kill. Yeah. And I believe the beaver kill runs for a long way, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that so, makes sense. But once again, a guy out early in the morning, a little fly fishing, nice and quiet, going about his business, and all of a sudden, bingo, the hairy man comes into the scene you know <laughs> yeah that'd be crazy crazy account and uh and you know when uh, i think it's more convincing when someone talks about this with so much detail and giant and scary sounding right yep. the whole thing and then he says well, i'm not i'm i haven't been back there in five years and i didn't go back to get my fishing gear i wouldn't like, that's a little more convincing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Compared to somebody saying they saw this huge thing and they went back 15 minutes later to get this stuff. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> you know how it is, Kev. Some of my rod and reel setups are worth hundreds of dollars. You know, you're not too keen on just dropping that and running. No. no. But, uh, you know, if you're just scared out of your wits, it's like, who cares, man? I can't put a dollar value on my life. You know, and he's not going to whip it with the rod. You know, he just wanted to get out and run. Yeah. And, uh, boy, oh, boy, I I just can't imagine, you know. 100%. That is a a great account. Yeah. So there you have it. And by the way, folks, you know, if you've seen something, again, go to BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, hit our contact link, and... uh, let us know what's going on in your neck of the woods, and I'll be reaching out to you quickly, I can assure you that. Yeah, and if you don't want us to use your name and stuff like that, we won't. Don't worry. We always respect that. So. Yeah, no. 
Don't uh, don't sweat that at all. Yeah. Now there isn't there isn't a name in my book, any of my books that matches the name of the person. Yeah. Uh, and even when I speak of people I talk to, I never tell you their last name. So yeah, uh, it's not my business to divulge anything to anybody else other than what you tell me uh, for yourself, and that is kept confidential. So that's mm-hmm. it, Kev. What do we got in our listener mail today? Anything crazy we, going yeah, on? We got some creepy emails. Hmm. Which I know you like that. So yeah. uh, the first one comes from Suzanne. Mm-hmm. And it starts out very gently, but then you'll see why I think it's a little creepy. Uh-huh. She says, Bill, I'd like to begin with my heartfelt condolences to you. Losing someone you love is devastating. Our only comfort is the passing of time and the assurance that we will one day see them again. I'm praying for you and your family. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Suzanne, you um, said, right, Kevin? Suzanne, yep. Thank yep. you, Suzanne. Keep praying. I want to know. I want you to know I love your podcast. I can't wait until a new episode comes out each week. Thank you and Kevin for taking the time to put out shows and spend time with all of your devoted listeners. I know I speak for everyone. We love it. I've never seen a Bigfoot, and after your stories, I don't think I want to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the things I have seen are shadow people Uh. and a black cloud in my living room with things moving inside of it. Oh, boy. See what I mean? Yeah. I have heard something whisper to me, quote, Uh. I going to stay, close quote. (laughs) And then after my mother's death, it followed me home. Many sleepless nights and shenanigans with this evil presence. Then a presence appeared in our new home with some interesting antics just to let us know it was there. Mm. And she says, I even have a few witch stories from the early 1900s in Pilot Mountain, North Carolina for Kevin. Wow. So, Suzanne, these black clouds in your living room and witch stories, you're not a witch, are you? (laughs) And by the way, Suzanne, when it whispered in your ear, it didn't perchance say, hey, you want to go bowling, honey? (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, folks, not that there's anything wrong with witches. Please don't start sending me a bunch of witch email. <laughs> you know, Kim, I actually reached out to Suzanne and asked her to call me, and I haven't heard from her yet. Uh, mm. As you were reading that email, I remembered, you know, asking her to call me. So, Suzanne, if you're hearing this again, give me a shout. I'd like to hear some of these uh, the details here. You sure you didn't hear any whispers in your ears? <laughs> hey. You want to go bass fishing? (laughs) (laughs) And she says, I do not have any brothers. Since I've been listening to your shows and gotten to know you both, I have unofficially adopted you and Kevin as my brothers. Wow. If you ever have a few minutes and want someone to tell you a few stories, I'm your girl. Thank you again, Bill and Kevin, for all you do. Many blessings, your sister, Suzanne. So, Suzanne, I'm only kidding, of course. Um, We really appreciate the note, and it sounds interesting, and I can't wait to hear uh, 
what Bill says after talking to you. And uh, Bill, by the way, talking about witches, you know what Halloween is coming up. I know what Halloween is coming up? Oh, I'm sorry. I meant to say, you know what holiday is coming up. Yeah, I was going to say, you know what Halloween Halloween? is coming up. (laughs) Yeah, that Halloween. That Halloween is coming up. That's the one. But we have to plan a little special episode like we normally do. Yeah. I'm doing a little bit of research Uh on witches again. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) But we promise not to laugh about innocent people getting killed as witches. Yeah. No, we're not going to laugh. Yes. Uh, well, I can't say I'm not going to laugh, you know. Because I know, but I'm not. I, I got. I have witches. a problem that way. I am afraid of these <laughs> witches, Bill. I don't want them following me around. <laughs> oh man! Well, you know, I'm pre- I'm a pretty good shot with the over under. You know, I can probably peck a broom out of the sky. Pull, <laughs> boom. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> uh oh, lost my tail section. Yeah. Watch out for the flying monkeys too. <laughs> yeah, flying monkeys. Those things are creepy. Super freaky. And I can't understand why they had them dressed up in those cool little uh, conductor outfits. <laughs> Bellman. Bellman. Yeah, they that's it, Bellman. <laughs> The little round hat with the gold braid and a jacket. The only you thing know? I can think is they were like uh, a bad dream of those like old organ grinder monkeys. Oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of them, they, they used to dress them up, right? Yeah, right. And, you know, the whole Wizard of Oz thing, you know, maybe uh, the, the play was that Dor- Dorothy saw one of those, right? Yeah. And then it incorporated into her whole trip to Oz. Yeah, some type of subliminal thing, right? Yeah, yeah. You remember when she woke up in the bed and everybody was standing around her, Dorothy, Dorothy, and she like came to and said, Oh, oh, and you were there, and you were there, and and, and you were there, you know. And By she the way, that's, that is a pretty good imitation, Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad to be home. Yes. <laughs> Auntie M. Oh, All Auntie right. M. Now we're going to Ireland. Ah. Ireland. To John. And John writes, Dear Bill and Kevin, I love your shows and I love your humor. <laughs> Spelt H-U-M-O-U-R. Humor. <laughs> humor. Like they do in Ireland. <laughs> it brightens my day. In following with your maxim, if I see something... Say something. I've seen some videos of goblins and pixies on YouTube from Erwin Saunders in the UK. He says, if you haven't seen this, you have to check these out because they look real and he seems genuine. Hmm. I'm going to let you check those out, Bill, because these goblins and pixies (laughs) are pretty evil. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness you know uh, you know how i feel about this stuff man you know i know there's people out there that think i'm drinking the kool-aid but uh <laughs> we're coming from two different places and numerous different experiences so uh 
I have good reason to believe what I believe. Watch out for those pixies and goblins. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you like to have a swarm of pixies around your head and you can't shake them? Whoa. Yeah, exactly. No, thank you. <laughs> and then, Bill, uh, you know, if you remember, we were talking about uh, Mount St. Helens and the eruption of Mount St. Helens. And I gave the shout out to folks like if you if you remember any of this and you were around right in. So we got a handful of letters about that handful of emails. I'm going to read one of them now from Diane from Washington State. OK. And Diane writes, hi, guys. First of all, Bill, thanks for the book. Oh, I didn't realize you sent her a book. Huh? Oh, that Diane uh, K. I think it was. She was the winner could of be. the uh, How Much Wood Could a Woodchuck Chuck That's concert. right. I didn't even realize that. That's so right. Great stuff. She says, I'm loving it, and it's scaring me nicely. <laughs> I love it, too. <laughs> and she says, with regard to your request for stories about experiences of the Mount St. Helens eruption, I grew up in Monroe, Washington some 150 miles away from the eruption in Snohomish County. Lots of Bigfoot sightings there. Oh, yeah. On the morning when it blew, I was sleeping on the floor of my aunt and uncle's house on Whidbey Island. So that's out west of Seattle. I've actually been to Whidbey Island. Okay. And she says, because my sister was married the night before and we were all hanging out together. Hmm. My uncle's house was perched at the top of a big steep hill, and it overlooked the valley below. I remember that no one was awake in the house yet, and I heard what I thought was a logging truck coming up the driveway. Growing up where I did, I saw many logging trucks every day coming and going on Highway 2, bringing the logs off the mountains to the Weyerhaeuser paper mill in Everett, Washington. So I was laying there and thinking, why is somebody hauling logs on a Sunday? So I jumped up to look out the window, and there was nothing there. Wow. And then the house started to shake. Oh, boy. There was a pretty strong earthquake that accompanied the noise. It didn't throw me across the room or anything, but considering we were about a four-hour's drive away from Mount St. Helens, it was a pretty good shake. Mm. And so loud. Back home in our house at Monroe, we did not get any ash on our cars. Um, about a week later, if my memory serves me on the timing, I was at work in Seattle and the mountain erupted again. Mm. Everyone in the building went outside because we could see the ash cloud from the university district where I was. This time, the ash blew north and we got a good quarter inch or so of our cars on our cars. The ash on the cars was significant because you had to hose it off. If you tried to wipe it, it would scratch the paint. And he said, of course, she said, of course, it was on the ground and getting tracked in the house, too. The sky stayed dark and the weather changed for a long time after that. I remember Oregon, or as my brother would say, Oregon, <laughs> was getting too much press about the after effects of the eruption for some of the Washingtonians, at least. Uh -huh. And you didn't have to look far to see a sign or T-shirt that said, Hey, Oregon, get your own mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those shirts. Yeah, but. a little dark humor there, you know? Exactly, exactly. Wow. So good stuff. I mean, it really gives a feel for what it was like when that, uh, 
when that mountain erupted. So, you know, I'll probably read a couple more in the coming weeks. Yeah, and I'm sure there were hundreds or thousands of people who could tell us their own story as to where they were and what they Yeah, that they was saw. pretty cool, right? She's at a wedding, sleeping on the floor, and then, you know, all of a sudden thinks it's a log truck and then an earthquake. Like, Yeah, so what she thought was a logging truck must have just been of the sink blasting. Yeah, the pre- you know? precursor of the, uh, of the earthquake, I guess. Because wow. four hours away, man, that's a long way. Yeah, but I would imagine that was really loud, man. Oh, yeah. I don't ever want to hear anything like that. No. You know, Kev, I remember I was coming in from Crane's Neck in the morning with my friend John, uh, having spent the morning uh, bass fishing by Crane's Neck. Beautiful day, and we were putting in by the ramp at Stony Brook, and I see this giant plume of smoke coming up way in the distance. Uh, uh, southwest of our position. And I said to John, the motor was idling. We were doing like five, six miles an hour. I said, John, check that out. That must be some freaking fire. Well, when we got back to the ramp and the radio turned on in the car I was ba- as I was backing the trailer up to get the boat, that was when the first plane had hit the tower. Yeah. I was going to guess that. Yeah, I was seeing the smoke cloud from Manhattan in Stony Brook. Horrific. You know, and that was what, about 50 miles away from me, you think? 50 or 60? Yeah, 50 miles, 55 miles. Yep, yep. So I Horrific. Yeah, I could appreciate, uh, you know, knowing where you were when something happened. You know, I'll never forget that morning. Yeah. Wow, that's it. Great story. And so that's it for the mail, Kev? That's it for this week, Bill. Yeah, and whatever other uh, Mount St. Helens uh, ones we've got, we'll dig into them down the road a piece, you know? Uh, No doubt. I'd like to uh, hear a couple more of them if we got them. Well, anyways, folks, you know, if you should find yourself stomping around uh, the Willowomack Creek or fishing in the Beaverkill anywhere for that matter, You best remember one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.